Yeah. 
Nothing good have I done to deserve this grace I found. I was lost as could be when his hand reached way down. Where once I had nothing, I now have everything. And I thank God for grace that saved a wretch like me.
in Matthew and also Mark here we just read and also in the Gospel of Luke. But you know, I got to thinking about this. When I think about this fella, I think about several folks that had opportunities, Brother Harold. And I want everybody to really listen. I may not get, get as excited and jumping around as I normally do because I really want everybody to get this. When we, I may want to slow down just a little bit. When I think about folks in the Bible, just like this rich young ruler, I think about him having the opportunity. And you look at this, sometimes you might say, man, what might have been? What could have been if this man had responded to Jesus in a different manner? I'm looking out over a congregation today, and it got, Jesus has made a difference in your life because when he confronted you and you met him, man, he changed your life. He changed your eternal destination, changed it. We just sang that song, thank God he came and changed my life. You might say, when a preacher, I made a profession of faith, but my, my life ain't never been changed. Well, you better read the Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, verse number 17, still there. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You got to make sure you ain't got to, you want to make sure that you don't just have a profession, you better have a possession. You better make sure you ain't just got religion, you better make sure you got a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what's going to make all the difference in the world. We could say this man probably had made a profession. I mean, he's knelt down under the Lord Jesus. We could say he's religious. He said, man, I've, I've followed these commandments. And of course, all these commandments are dealing with the 5th, 6th, 7th, and 8th, and ninth commandment. We'll deal with those here in just a few moments. But when I think about him, I think about the tragedy of this story. He had the opportunity to have a right relationship. I mean, he met God. Jesus was God. And he met him, but he went away sorrowful because he had many possessions. There was one thing Listen now, one thing that kept him from Jesus. Not two, not three, just one thing. It's been my experience as a preacher and as a pastor that most times it's just one thing that will keep people from coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. And this man would not come. And as far as we know, if he'd ever got right with the Lord, he died in his sin. That could be the man that Jesus dealt with in Luke chapter number 16 could be that rich man that died and opened his eyes in a place called hell. We don't know that. But according to the word of God, this man went away sorrowful. He didn't get right with God. He had plenty of materials. He had plenty of wealth. But he was missing the main thing that he could receive while he was here on planet Earth. But I think about him and I think about others, especially over in the New Testament, over in the book of Acts. Think with me for just a moment about some people that had the opportunity. They were introduced either to the Lord Jesus or, or one of God's greatest preachers, which I believe was the Apostle Paul. I mean, the, the Apostle Paul had that unction. He had that anointing. He had the truth of God's Word. And he presented the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, the same message as it was saving sinners in that day. In Paul's day, is saving sinners in our day. We're not saved by good works or good deeds or, or, or our... our Christianity is not based on, on a do salvation. Our Christianity is based on a done salvation. What do you mean, preacher? Well, the Lord Jesus Christ did it all on the cross when he hung between heaven and earth. He didn't hang there for his sin. He hung there for my sin and for your sin and the sin of the whole world. But the Apostle Paul goes and he presents that message as he's on the road to Rome. And he deals with a fellow by the name of Felix and Drusilla, his wife. And I want you to listen here. You probably know this well, but think about the opportunity that Felix and Drusilla had. They could have had their sin forgiven, but they responded in a negative way. In Acts 24 and verse 24, And after certain days when Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, which was a Jewish, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. You don't have to wonder and speculate what Paul preached unto him. He presented the gospel that his sins could be forgiven. That's what I'm telling you today. Don't care what you've done, where you've been. You might say, preacher, I've messed up my life. I got dark areas in my life. Well, just join the crowd, friend. I'm here to tell you on the authority of the Word of God that you can have your sins not just partially forgiven. You can have them all forgiven based on the blood and the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. So Felix hears this message. Well, how did he respond? Verse 25, and as he reasoned of right this temperance and judgment to come, Felix trembled. I believe old Felix had what we would call old-time conviction. God began to deal with his heart. He heard the message, and it began to resonate. And he began to tremble. 
according to the word of God, because he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come. He said, go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. We never read anywhere in the Bible where that convenient season, Brother Howard, ever came for Felix and Drusilla. There's another one that what might have been, what could have been. I think about it just a little bit further over in Acts chapter number 26. There's another fellow over there by the name of Festus. The same preacher that preached unto Felix and Drusilla was preaching unto Festus. And listen to this. In Acts 26 and verse number 22, here's the message that Paul presented. Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day witnessing both the small and great, saying none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come, that Christ should suffer, and that he should be the first that should rise from the dead, and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. So he presents to Festus the gospel that Jesus died, that he was buried, and that he rose again. What was Festus' response? Listen to verse 24. And as he thus spake for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself, much learning doth make thee mad. To put that in Yadkin County English, Festus said, Paul, you crazy. You're off your rocker, man. That's some fairy tale that you're preaching. But think about what might have been, what could have been, if Festus had had to receive the message by faith. Acts 2 and verse number 41, when that great crowd got saved over there, On the day of Pentecost, the Bible said, Then they that gladly received his word, they received the word of God by faith that Jesus died for their sins, that he was buried and that he rose again for their justification. They received it by faith. But Felix wouldn't do that. The rich young ruler wouldn't do that. Festus wouldn't do that. There's another one in Acts 26. I'm just building a little foundation of some folks that, what might have been, what could have been, if they had responded differently. I mean, they had the opportunity, and remember, the grace of God hath appeared to every man. I believe every one of us in here has had the opportunity. If you hadn't before this service is over, you'll have the opportunity to meet the God of heaven, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords. But He gives us that opportunity, but what are we going to do with the opportunity that we've been given? The rich young ruler squandered his, Festus squandered his, Felix and Drew squandered uh, their opportunity but notice Agrippa you know this well Acts 26 and verse 27 Paul said unto King Agrippa believest thou the prophets I know that thou believest then Agrippa said unto Paul almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian (laughs) almost persuaded if you're almost a Christian you're totally lost friends all I can tell you there ain't no almost and ain't no in between you're either in or you're out your sin's one of two places. It's on you or it's on Christ. If it's on Christ, that penalty's been paid. If it's on you and you die in your sin, you die in that condition, there is a real literal hell that you will go. A lot of folks don't like the, the doom and gloom, preach the, the fire and brimstone, but that is the Word of God. Yes, you can preach heaven. Thank God for the sweet things that are there. But there's also the curse of those that reject the free pardon and forgiveness of sin that's found in Jesus Christ. And that's where people go apart from Christ. But think about these folks. And there's not an exhaustive list. I could give you numerous ones. Others. The rich young ruler had that opportunity, Brother Harry. Festus had that opportunity. Felix and Drusilla had that opportunity. Agrippa had that opportunity. All of them responded to Christ in a negative way. They could have come to Christ had their sins forgiven. Think about Judas. Now chew on that for just a minute. For three and a half years, he was with the Lord Jesus Christ. He heard Jesus preach the messages. Heard Jesus pray, no doubt. Time and time again, he's seen the miracles that were performed. The healing of the eyes, the healing of the lame, all the power at his disposal. And all that time, Judas had the opportunity to be saved, but he would not by faith trust Christ. The Bible said he went out and hung himself, and as far as I know, he's been in hell over 2,000 years now. But all that could have been avoided by simply responding to Christ in a positive way. As you look at this this morning here out of Mark's Gospel, chapter number 10, if I could preach on just a thought for a little while, I want to preach on the resume of a lost man. The resume of a lost man. If you'd ask this fellow what his achievements were, he'd be quick to tell you. <laughs> he'd tell you, man, oh yeah, I, I keep the law. I ain't killed anybody. I don't commit adultery. I, I try not to defraud anybody, which we'll look and I think that what Jesus told him, I believe, struck a nerve where he was. 
But I want you to think about this. He had a resume that he would build, but he was still lost at the end of the day. He had the opportunity. One thing kept him from the Lord Jesus Christ. And one thing may keep you from Christ. But listen, I don't care what that, listen to me, well, if you don't get nothing else, get this. I don't care what that one thing is. That one thing is not worth you dying in your sin and going to hell. Jesus went to the cross to rescue you, to redeem you, to ransom you off the slave market of sin. And he desires to do that today. But there's not one thing that's worth you rejecting Christ for in this world. This man lacked one thing. We could say several positive things about this man. We could say he came to the right person. I mean, look at verse number 17. The Bible said, and when he, that's Jesus, when he has gone forth in the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? This guy came to the right person. If you want to be forgiven today, you've got to go through and by Jesus. John 14, 6, it's worth hitting again. John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. When I wait a minute, preacher, you know, Grandma told me if my good outweighs my bad. I don't care what Grandma told you. She lied to you. Amen. You say, well, my Grandma was a, was a sweet lady. She might have been. My, my, my woman was a saintly lady. She might have been. But if she told you that, she was wrong. It's Jesus or it's nothing. And you think about this. He was no doubt. He came to the right person. He came with the right attitude. He came with respect, Brother Harold. The Bible said he came running. I mean, without delay, he come to Christ, and the Bible said he fell down. Ain't that what he said? And kneeled to him and asked him, Good Master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So he came to the right person. I believe he had the right attitude. He was respectful as he approached Christ. He asked the right question, What shall I do? I believe every person ought to be able to answer that. Even the atheists today, those who don't believe in God, you can't tell me that there, there's the thoughts that goes through their mind that one of these days they're going to close their eyes in death. Amen. What shall I do? What, what's my responsibility? And you know, Acts 16, I often think about that, and I don't take for granted that everybody knows this, because I remember preaching for about, to a fellow for about a year and a half, still here, by the way, for about a year and a half. I preached, and I tried to present the gospel every service. Finally, one day after a year and a half, he met me at the back of the church, and he said, Preacher, for the first time in my life, the gospel makes sense. So if it took him a year and a half, it may take others longer than that. I don't know. Sometimes we come in here and our mind gets in the gutter. Sometimes our mind's in a ditch. You get to think about what you're going to eat for dinner. You get to think about the problems that you had this morning. And sometimes the devil will give you problems before you ever get to the house of God. You know, it's sort of like this. Somebody say, well, sometimes the devil can, and I try to be early. I'm always, I can't say that about my whole crowd, but I'm always early. And, uh, but you know what? The devil will make you lose things. You know, man, for some reason, I, I, I can find my keys Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and Saturday, but I can't find them on Sunday morning. Well, I can get to work on time, and I can be primed and ready for work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, but I sort of, oh, drag into the house of God. Amen! <laughs> Why is that? It don't appeal to the flesh, but the spiritual man needs that. Now, y'all know I'm telling the truth now. Amen. But here is this guy. I don't know where we was going with all that. But just get this thought, this concept, that this man had a right attitude. He, he went to the right person. He asked the right question. What, what shall I do? The Philippian jailer said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Acts 16.30. Paul and Silas said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. The answer was given. This man was given the right answer. He was told in verse number 21, Jesus dealt with his heart, and we'll deal with that in just a second. But he had a wrong response for the Bible said in verse 22, And he was sad at that saying and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. Now this man could be described or defined in four ways. I just got four little simple points right here. I hope, I hope they're going to be simple, but I want you to get them. There's four simple points that this man had. You think about a resume when you go to, to apply for a job and you put down all your, all your accomplishments and all your education, everything, so you, you try to cover ever you, you try to dot every I and cross every T to make sure everything's perfect when you send that resume in. Well, here's the resume of a lost man. Boy, it looked beautiful. But there was one thing that this man lacked, according to the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Amen. But he's described or defined probably in four ways that we could look at. We could say, first off, this boy had manners. We've already hit on this a little bit. We could say this guy had manners. Because here's the Lord Jesus Christ during his public ministry. And keep in mind, Brother Harold, there were crowds that were gathering all around. And you know, according to the Word of God in multiple passages, a lot of folks that came, they just did it with lip service. They did it to be seen of men. That's why Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, they have their Lord. So here comes this rich young ruler. And that word, the ruler basically means in other passages, uh, the, the, the first in line. I mean, here he is. He's at the top of the list. So he's been given authority. So he runs, but he does have manners because he kneels down on the Lord Jesus. That's interesting what he said unto Jesus. At first, in verse 17, he calls him good master. Now, notice Jesus' response, but we could say this boy had manners. And it's good to have manners. It really is. You know, that's something, and I may preach back through that again for long. Church etiquette, some of y'all enjoyed that so much over there during the COVID days. And we wrote, I don't know, about 15 or 20 minutes. You know, there's a lot of folks, as Paul told Timothy, that thou may knowest how thou ought to behave thyself in the house of God. There's a lot of folks just don't know. And there's a lot of instruction on that. We might have to go back and hit some of that, Brother Kevin, Brother Ed, on some church etiquette. But it's good to have manners. Amen. Amen. Just simple things. Man, whatever happened to decency? Whatever happened to decency and manners in our day? But if you looked at this guy on his resume, oh, yeah, he would have had some manners. He said, good master. But notice what Jesus said to him. This is interesting. And this, I, I never really, maybe you've seen this, but I never really had. Verse 18. And Jesus said unto him, why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. Now, wait a minute. I thought Jesus was God. He is God. And here this man said, good master. Jesus said, why callest thou me good? There's none good save God. So Jesus was basically saying, yeah, I am God. But you know, that boy didn't get it. How do you know? Well, right after that, look with me in in verse 19. Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and thy mother. Notice the second address in verse 20. He answered and said unto him, notice not good, but master. You see that? Master, all these have I observed from my youth. At first he addressed him as good master. Jesus said, hey, God is good. But now, so he takes off good because he don't recognize and he don't believe that he is God. Yeah, man. See, when you come to him, that's where faith steps in. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 6, But without faith it is impossible to please you, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. This boy had every opportunity to have all of his sin forgiven, to have his, his ticket punched by faith to a place called heaven, but he walked away because he lacked one thing. But on his resume, you could say, man, he's got manners. Because he come and he approached Jesus respectfully. He kneeled down. Again, with him being in authority, I believe he just did it with lip service. I believe he just did it as a show for everybody to see. Not only did he have manners, but according here, he had some morals. Some morals. Look again at these commandments that he lays out. Jesus did in verse 19. And Jesus still dealt with the 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th, and ninth commandment in these. Notice, thou knowest the commandments. Do not... Commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness. Defraud not, honor thy father and mother. Now the adultery is the seventh commandment out of Exodus chapter number 20. We know to do not kill is the sixth commandment. We know that do not steal is the eighth commandment. Bear not false witness, that is the ninth commandment. And then honor thy father and thy mother is the fifth commandment. Now I left defrauding off for, off for a reason. Mark is the only one that records this phrase, defraud not. Now, I'd never really thought about this either. Maybe you had, but I hadn't. I've seen that good, and I've seen that master. I've seen the difference that he didn't acknowledge Jesus as God, as who he was. But I think about this here, about defrauding. This man had great possessions, right? 
Verse 22, or verse, yeah, verse number 22 said he, he went away greed for he had great possessions. How did he get those great possessions? You know what defrauding is? It's different than stealing. It's taking advantage of somebody for gain. So evidently Jesus struck a nerve, man. Defraud not. But this man, as Jesus laid out those commands, you know what he said in verse 20? And he answered and said unto him, Master. Again, he didn't call him good master because he didn't acknowledge him as God. All these have I observed from my youth. Now, you can observe a lot of things and still not be right with God. You can observe baptism. You can observe communion. Amen. And still die lost in your sin. It takes a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. All of these that were listed in verse number 19, these commands have to do with a relationship with mankind. When it comes to adultery, when it comes to killing, when it comes to stealing, when it comes to defrauding, honoring father and mother, bearing false witness, that has to do with our relationship with people. And listen, on his resume, he, he's got manners. He's got morals. For the most part, as far as we know, he's got a good relationship with man, but he don't have a good relationship with God. Yeah, man. He sure don't, because Jesus said he lacked some. We could say this about this man. On that resume of a lost man, he, he's got manners, he's got morals. But we could say he's materialistic. For Jesus told him in verse 21, then Jesus beholding him loved him. And let me stop and say even before I go any further, it is important for you to know that God does love you as he loved this man. His compassions, man, they fail not. <laughs> His mercies are new every morning according to the book of Lamentations. And we think about uh, the goodness of God to you and I. And he loves me and he loves you and he loved this man. He's dealing and he's pleading with him. And he goes on to say in verse 21, And said unto him, One thing thou lackest. Go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come take up the cross and follow me. What I believe Jesus did, Jesus confronted him in his sin. Because I believe his sin was this. He was defrauding poor people out of money. That's how he got his possessions. I believe within the context, I believe that's crystal clear. So he's defrauding people. Jesus said, I tell you what you do, man. You ought to sell what you have and give unto the people. In other words, what you have defrauded others. But what did he do? He was grieved. He was hurt. For the Bible said in verse 22, And he was sad at that saying and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. You see, this man allowed one thing to stand in his way from coming to Christ, and it was the materialistic side. But man, on that resume... He's got manners. He's got morals. He's got material possessions, man, that, that, are, that are unbelievable. And I think about this. Jesus dealt with uh, several times about rich folks in the Bible. Luke chapter 12, and I'm reading this in verse number 16. Luke 12, verse 16, and, G and this is Jesus speaking. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. He thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, this will I do, I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and all my goods, and I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years, take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasures for himself and is not rich toward God. There's a lot of folks that have got the materialistic mindset. They, they live for the here and the now. Listen, we've got to survive. I understand. You've got to work. I get that. Well, in our culture, not everybody has to work, but it is what it is. I know this. According to the Word of God, the Bible said over there in the book of Thessalonians, if man don't work, you ought not eat. Now, I understand there's disabilities. I understand that. I get it. But listen, folks, from, from the working standpoint, man, thank God that God supplies our needs, and you've got to survive. I get all that. But you got to make sure that there's a good balance there. Or the material don't. That, that's not what consumes you. Does that make sense? Because we're not living for the here and now. All oh, there's treasures going to be laid up in heaven on the other side. The Bible said there's many that's going to be first over there that are last down here. 
But there's many that are last down here going to be first over yonder. And I think about this, and I, I think about the wording, and that was a warning. Here was a man that said, I'm going to build barns. He never gave a thought about God. And I have no idea who's here, who's listening. I don't know your situation. Maybe you've never really thought about God. You say, well, you know what? I'm going I'm to I'm work on my investments. I'm going to plan for my, for my 401K. I'm going to plan for retirement. And, and that's good. You ought to do that. I think that's wise. A failure to plan is a plan to fail. That's something you ought to do in every aspect of life. But keep this in mind. Keep this in mind. One of these days, we're going to close our eyes in death. Amen. Then whose things are they going to be? It's going to be your family. Somebody's going to inherit that stuff. And you're going to meet God. Somebody died one day and they said, man, what, what's he going to The guy that died said, what's that guy going to do with all the stuff he left? His wife said, he's going to leave it. Amen. That ain't real deep. That's truth. He's going to leave it. Hebrews died 27, as is pointed unto me and wants to die. But after this, the judgment. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse number 2, there's a time to be born and there's a time to die. There's a lot of folks that will plant. Now listen, I'm just, I guess I'm just meddling a minute, but you hang with me right here. There's folks that plan for vacation. There's folks that plan for, for retirement. They plan for, for, for future events. They, they, they pl- estate planning, and, and they plan this way and that way. And, that, and all that's good as long as you don't miss the main thing and miss out planning for heaven. Because we're all going to live somewhere, and there's a heaven, there's a hell. There's no purgatory. I don't care what the Catholic Church said. You can't find that nowhere in the pages of the Word of God. That's why the priests don't want their people reading the Bible, because they know that they'll understand it when they read it, that there ain't no such a thing. Amen. There's a heaven to gain, but there's a hell to shun that though that reject Christ. You say, preacher, I'm planning for, 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 for retirement. I'm planning for vacation. I'm planning for this. But have you planned for heaven? Have it been a time when you've trusted Christ. You see, this man had a good resume. He had manners. He had morals. He had materials. You could go to Luke 16 where Jesus talked about the rich man. There he opened his eyes in hell. That's where he ended up. Jesus dealt with a lot of rich folks, but this man had one more thing that he could be described or defined as, and this is what set him apart. This is what brings it to the forefront of the page today. When I think about his resume of this lost man, that wouldn't give his heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ because that one thing kept him from Jesus. He had manners. He had morals. He had material possessions. But he had something that was missing. For the Bible said in verse number 21, Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest. Jesus told him what he needed to do. When you go through those commandments, again, what that means is, he had a right relationship, Brother Harold, with mankind, with his mother and father, with his other folks, as far as we know, other than Jesus saying he defrauded folks, and he was to give, sell everything he had and give back to the poor, and then take up the cross and follow him. And you know, when you take up a cross, something's got to die. Cross always deals with death. I preached Wednesday night on the mind of a selfaholic. You say, what's a selfaholic? Well, a holic is somebody that's addicted to something. You could say a workaholic or a shopaholic, pocketbooks in particular, uh, alcoholic, that means they're addicted to that. But there's also something you can call a, a selfaholic, where folks are addicted to their self. And I believe this guy's probably got some of that. I mean, he's got some pride. He's got some egotism that he ain't going to break loose from, but he's missing something because he's not willing to surrender his life to Christ. And the Bible said he walks away from God. Now, Sister Savannah's going to come, and I want to say just a couple things, and I'm closing right here, and get this, please. This man thought he knew about himself. Brother James, no doubt this man thought, you know, Jesus, I hear what you said, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not uh, defraud others, uh, do not bear false witness on our father. But yeah, I've done all those things. He thought he knew himself, but Jesus knew him a whole lot better than he did. Then he knew himself. Now, how does that apply to me, preacher? Listen, Jesus knows me better than I know myself. Jesus knows you better than you know yourself. Now, I don't know your standing between God. I would say this, and I've made this statement numerous times, and it's a fact. The only person I know for sure that's saved in this building is this preacher that's talking to you right now. You say, preacher, now how can you make that statement? Because I was there the day that I called on the name of the Lord. 
Now, I know there's fruit. I understand I've heard folks testify before, you know, God saved me, and well, praise the Lord for it. But God knows this morning if you've trusted Christ or not. There was one thing that was missing in this man's life, and it was surrendering his will to the Lord's will. He came to the right person. He came to the right place. Came with the right attitude. He got the right answer. But he walked away and said, that's not for me. And as far as we know, that man's been in hell all these years. And think about this. I wonder what he's thinking today, Brother Harold. Man, I had the opportunity to give my heart and life to Jesus, but I didn't do it. What might have been? What could have been? Oh, his resume looked great. But he was still just as lost as a ball in high weeds. Because he had never received Christ. And listen, I don't know. There was one thing that kept this man from coming to Christ. There may be one thing that keeps you from coming to Christ. And I hope you'll break through that barrier today. You know, the Bible even said over there in the book of Revelation. And I want to say it's chapter 21. Chapter 21 and verse number 8. And you can go look at it. It said, but the fearful and the abominable and the unbelieving and adulterers and whoremongers and sorcerers and all liars shall have their part. And the fire which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Gives a list of a characteristic, Brother Dennis, of people that's going to be in the lake of fire. I remember Brother Bud Davis told me one day, he said, Preacher, what do you think that, who do you think that fearful crowd is? I said, I'll tell you who I think that is, Brother Bud. That crowd that was afraid to move. They heard the gospel that Jesus could forgive them of their sin. But they sit in their seat. They might have been a member of a church. They might have been baptized. They might have been on a church roll. They might have had a position. And they thought, boy, God, you're dealing with my heart. I'm not saved. There's something that's missing in my life. God, you're dealing with me. I can't move. What will people think? The Bible said, but the fearful will end up in a place called hell, the lake of fire. I don't believe in preaching doubt whatsoever. I, I preach a whosoever will gospel because that's the only thing that's taught in the Bible. You come to Christ for whosoever's called upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But it's my responsibility to make sure that you know that. Do you know Christ as Savior? At the end of the day, man, I ain't going to be in your corner. You ain't going to be in my corner. Every knee's going to bow to the King of kings and the Lord of lords and, and, and confess that he's Lord. But you better make sure you confess on this side. Amen. You better know him as Savior. One thing kept this man from Christ. Is there anything keeping you from Christ? What will my friends say? What will my neighbor? Who cares what they... I'm telling you this, man. If they're right with God, they're going to rejoice with you today by giving your heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ. You might have a great resume. You might have manners. You might have morals. You might have material possessions. But there might just be one thing that's missing today. And if you don't know Christ, boy, what a day that would be on September the whatever, 17th, 2023. Boy, God could change your life. You'll come to him, whether young or old, he can forgive you of all your sin. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen right now. The devil's going to try his best to interrupt this service right now. He's going to try to throw a distraction. So I want you to hone in right now. If you're not saved, I give you the opportunity to come receive Christ today as we stand all over the house. Father, I love you and I thank you. For the opportunity, Lord, to preach your word. Now, God, I, I can feel the conviction, God, this morning. And Lord, I beg and I plead for that when they may be here today, this loss. You don't give us these messages for no reason. Lord, I feel 100% this is where you want us at today. Lord, there may be one person in here, there's one thing that's keeping somebody from Christ. Lord, I ask that you remove all the forces of hell, God, right now, that try to keep somebody in their pew. God, help somebody to come receive Christ today. Have those sins forgiven. Have those chains taken off. God, would you meet every need? Save that sinner. Help the saints of God. We're going to praise you for we ask it in Jesus' name. Even heads are bowed and eyes are closed for a few moments. Sister Savannah's going to sing. I'm not going to drag out this invitation. If God dealt with your heart, you better come. If you're in the middle somewhere, somebody's to your right, somebody's to your left, you just nudge them. They'll let you out. But if you don't know Christ, I beg you, I beg you, I beg you, come give your heart and life to Jesus today. Almost persuaded. No, I don't want you almost persuaded. I want you fully persuaded that your sins can be forgiven. Would you come? Don't be afraid. Don't be fearful. 
and end up in hell. Persuaded Christ to receive seems now some soul to say, Go. Hello friends, this is Brian Pondexter, the pastor of Faith Community Baptist Church located at 2216 Hennings Road in East Bend, North Carolina. We're so grateful to have you listening to our CD ministry that's been provided as an outreach of our church. It's our desire and focus at Faith Community Baptist Church to preach and teach the whole counsel of God to a lost and dying world, to equip the saints of God for service and to encourage the elderly and shut-ins who cannot attend services due to physical ailments. We meet every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for Sunday school for all ages, and our Sunday school hour is followed by our worship service at 11 a.m. with old-fashioned singing and preaching from the Word of God. We meet back every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our worship service, and every second Sunday night of each month, we have what's called an eat-and-meet service. After our 6 p.m. service, we gather in the fellowship hall for food and fellowship. On Wednesdays, we meet back at the church for our midweek worship service with choir singing and preaching again from God's holy word. Our ladies prepare a meal each Wednesday prior to our service from 5.30 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. I give you and your family a cordial invitation to be with us at any or all of our service times. Above all, you may be listening today, and maybe you've never made a personal commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, that's the greatest decision anyone can ever make in this life. Too many folks prepare for vacation, they prepare for retirement, they seem to prepare for everything, but sad to say, many make no preparations for eternity. The reality is very clear. We all will leave this world someday. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. You must understand that you are guilty before a holy God. Romans 3.23 said, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The prophet Isaiah said in chapter 53 and verse 6, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. You must understand that your good words, good works and good deeds will not get you to heaven. Isaiah 64 and verse 6 says, But we are all as an unclean thing. All our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible said, Therefore by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. You must understand that you're loved. I'm thankful that in John 3 and verse 16, it said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 5 and verse 8 declares, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You must understand and realize there's only one way to stand right before God. There's not many ways, there's only one. Jesus said in John 14 and verse number 6, He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, the apostles' message was very simple. There in Acts chapter 4, in verse number 12, they said, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. You might ask the question, Preacher, how can I be saved? That's what the Philippian jailer asked in Acts chapter 16, verse 30 and 31. He asked Paul and Silas, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. Romans 10, 9 said that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You must ask God to save you. I can't do it. No one can do it for you. Romans 10, 13 said, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you know you're a sinner, and if you're sorry for your sin, and you believe Jesus died for your sins, you simply have to ask him to save you. 
You might say, Preacher, how can I know for sure God will hear me? But first of all, the Bible tells us that we must be drawn. John 6 and verse 44, Jesus said, No man can come to me except the Father which had sent me. Draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Psalm 51 and verse 17 gives us the attitude we need to have when we come to God. It said there, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. If God draws you by conviction, if you're sorry for your sin, you repent of them. If you believe Jesus died for your sins, and if you asked him to save you, then the Bible declares you've been saved. If you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you've been forgiven of all your sins. Romans 8, 1 declares, There is therefore now no condemnation of them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Once a person has been saved, they need to be a part of a fundamental Bible-believing church where they can grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. God calls us out of darkness and commands us to walk in light after we've been saved by His marvelous grace. If we can help you here at Faith Community Baptist Church in any way, feel free to contact us. If you have asked God to save you, please contact us and we will send you some free literature to help you in your newfound life in Christ. Thank you again for listening to our CD ministry that's been provided by our church here. And may God richly bless you and your family is our prayer.